Eric. So you guys get free shots at me all after church because that was me then unmuting the microphone that also wasn't on, which I would have swore was on. So, hey, so if you're joining us online, we got our act together, actually. Welcome. And those of you in the room, just pretend like we do. And we're, we are in this series, Be Positive. And week one, we were just talking about quit complaining. So y'all, you can't say a word about this. So. <laughs> Uh, we, we really, we talk about the life is just full of all kinds of negativity. There's all kinds of reasons. There's all, as Jeff, Jeff said earlier, so many tribulations and trials and troubles. That's just part of life. And it doesn't mean you're doing life wrong. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's just how things are. But it doesn't help to complain. It's like scratching mosquito bites. It feels good in the moment, but it doesn't really help anything. And how do you displace a complaining attitude? With thankfulness. The more thankfulness and gratitude you express and feel and uh, memorialize, the more it displaces that complaining attitude. And then last week we talked about curbing your criticism. We all have opinions, but they don't always need to be heard. Sometimes it's not helpful. And so I'm just curious, how have you been doing? If you've been a part of this series, and if you're online, maybe even just jot us a note. How are you doing with displacing criticism and complaining with gratitude? Are you, have you been keeping the gratitude journal every day? Do you have a criticism fasting streak going? Full transparency. Last Sunday night, my wife and I were out with a couple other couples from church here. I think I spent 15 minutes criticizing and complaining about bad drivers and distracted drivers on their cell phones. So I'm like at zero. So I need this series too. I especially need the message we're talking about today, which is to be encouraging. Because if you think I might be an overly critical person, the way that you remedy that is by being an encourager. So it wasn't too long ago, Dustin and Karen were a young couple on a Southwest flight with a baby, and the flight attendant named Jenny stopped by and said, why are you traveling with such a young one? And they said, we just adopted her, and she's eight days old, and can you help us change the diaper? (laughs) And of course, Jenny did, but then Jenny huddled all the other flight attendants up on the plane and said, this this is going on on our plane. We got to do something. They decided to throw a surprise baby shower on the plane while it was going. So Bobby, another flight attendant, got on the announcement and said, ladies and gentlemen, there's a very special guest on the flight today. She's eight days old and traveling home with mom and dad. Passengers all burst into applause. It was amazing. They handed out napkins and had everyone write encouraging notes and little pieces of advice. And uh, some of the families would come by and just offer their words of wisdom in person to see the baby. They read some of the notes that people had written. It was was just a fantastic experience. Dustin, the reason we know about this is because Dustin wanted to call his local news station just to say this is what happened. And uh, he said, it means everything to us for an entire crew of strangers to come together like that to show that kind of love and kindness and connection. I have a word for you. You have no idea how much your simple word of optimism, kindness, encouragement will mean to someone else. You ever found yourself, you just sit down for a second and you wake up a half hour later? And you, man, I didn't know I needed a nap till I took a nap. And I, I, for me personally, I haven't really sometimes need, just known how much I needed uh, an encouragement, a word of blessing, until somebody just stopped, looked me in the eye, and just said something nice, something positive. Hey, I really appreciated when. And I'm, wow, thank you. I didn't realize how much I needed that until you said that. And, you know, for all of us, there's just so much power in the words that we share with one another. There's just so much opportunity to build up people who are just dying thirsty for something that will encourage them. It's surprising how many times the Bible actually tells us this is supposed to be part of our lives, especially if you're a Jesus follower and you're a Christian, you should be doing this. I'll take you over, first of all, if you go into the Bible to Romans chapter 12 and verse 8, these are words written to Christians. It says, 
If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And if, uh, if, you're, if your gift is giving, give generously. And if God's giving you the leadership ability, take responsibility, the responsibility you have seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This is just expected. God expects us to encourage one another. And you go down uh, just a few pages over, if you've got a paper Bible, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, these words were also written to Christians. This is how we're supposed to treat each other. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement for those who hear them. And, and then you go over to 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And it says here, these are also words to people written, uh, written long ago, but they still certainly apply to us. These words here. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Now, I won't do this, but if you have the time or you have the inclination, I would say go to Acts in the Bible. And if you're a little bit unfamiliar with the Bible, Acts is a history book of how the church started and how it grew within just a couple of decades to the entire world. And it's amazing when you look for it how often you will see that one of the key things that happened is the Holy Spirit of God encouraged the church or the leaders of the church encouraged the people. Over and over, once you start looking for it, it's like everywhere. They're just encouraging each other. They're building one another up. They're pushing them forward towards what, and uh, even with the Holy Spirit of God working in the church, it's just an added layer of enabling them to do what they needed to do. Encouragement is just part of who we are, and it's part of what we do. And there are people, I'm just going to say this, and I, I don't even have to know you to know this about you. There are people in your family right now who need you to say some positive, optimistic, hope-filled words to notice something that they're doing right and to actually verbalize it. There are some people in your work group. Maybe you supervise them. Maybe it's even your boss. Maybe it's somebody else that just needs you to, to point out what's going right and not what's wrong. There's people in your neighborhood who just need, you know. Here's a simple place to start. If you go out and walk, you walk a pet, wave at your neighbors, wave at the people driving. Nobody does that anymore. I grew up in an era where you waved at everybody, no matter who they were, if you knew them or not. I'd always ask my dad, who is that? I don't know, but we just wave. Let's bring that back, that encouragement, because there are people, you're going to school right now. You're going to college. You're, you're in some situation where someone needs you to be the person who God uses to bring some life to them, to be the, the positivity, not the negative. And this is who we are, and this is what we do. So you think, well, how do I do that? Well, this is, I'm almost embarrassed to say it because it's so obvious, but it's the truth. You start by using encouraging words. You say positive things to people. You encourage with your words. It's so easy to do this, and it's so powerful, and sometimes yet we, we just don't do it. We forget how much good comes from just saying something nice to somebody. Remember, it was been several years ago. Marion Gilbert went out on her front porch one morning to get her newspaper. And that tells you how long ago it was because people still got newspapers. And, but she got there and she couldn't even go out to the yard to get it because a Labrador retriever from down the street had already got it, was sitting on the porch, a little black lab, wagging her tail, you know, the otter tail thumping back and forth. And Marion was so like, oh, well, thank you, and praised that little dog and, and so much and took the paper and she said, well, now wait here. She said, first scratched your ears and then went inside. Let me get you a treat. Came back out and gave that little black lab a treat. Now, if you know a Labrador Retriever, you know how much praise means to them. They're like the most optimistic dogs in the world. Next morning, Marion goes to go get her paper and she can't even get out the door because the same black lab puppy is still sitting on her porch again. But now there are eight newspapers on her front porch. <laughs> 
Marion said, I had to spend all morning taking the papers back to my neighbors. And that's what a little bit of praise does. It goes a long way. And there's so many people in your lives who will just respond so well and just open up. And you may see a dimension to their personality that you've never seen before when you just add this element to your conversation. I, I have no idea. I wish I, and maybe in heaven I'll get to run the tape and just see how many different optimistic, positive things people have said to me in my lifetime. I think about my home church when I was a kid. I, I know you're gonna have, have a hard time believing this. I may be the reason a lot of Sunday school teachers quit when I was an elementary student. And uh, middle school, it didn't get better, it got worse. But people were so kind to me in my home church. They acted like they actually wanted me to be there. And they said that. And when I was in high school and, and they started asking me like, preach a sermon and like, okay, 30 seconds of me standing there talking, I'm done. I just, but people would always say, well, that was so good. Actually, what they said was, well, that was a sermon. <laughs> I still, you know, it rings, like I'm having deja vu because a lot of times you guys will walk in and go, well, that was a sermon. <laughs> you can take that however you want. I know that I'm standing here in part because so many people spoke, they could have said other true things that would have also been accurate, but not, they wouldn't have built me up. They wouldn't have led me forward. But there were people who were willing to see what I was doing right and speak into that. And there are teenagers in our congregation right now who need you. I don't care what generation you are. All the generations need us to encourage one another. We should be cross-generational. By the way, I'm speaking to some of the older ones among us now, and I put myself in that group. Do you know how much the younger generation wants and craves the grandparent generation. They want mentors. They want people to speak into their lives. They want people to care about them. You're, you're not gonna, you might get the funny look, but they still love it. And there's just something powerful about all of us doing this for one another and encouraging each other. And uh, you have great power in your words. It's like what we read in Ephesians earlier. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. Some people may never have heard something like that before. I remember reading a story. It was about a, a congressman, and he was referring to a program they had at one time in Congress. I don't know if it was at state Congress or actually at the national level, but they took kids who'd aged out of the foster system and brought them in to be interns for a while so they could get kind of a business or a government mindset and maybe even get a, a chance at doing something in their lives because a lot of kids who age out of the foster system without having a forever home, they run out of resources, and so they're like, what do I do now? And this, one of these congressmen talked about one of his interns he had. The congressman breezed in the office early one morning, and his intern was already there cleaning and straightening up the office. And just off, offhandedly, and you've done this, just said, wow, I've never seen this mailroom look so great. You're doing an awesome job. Went on to his office, did his first appointments, came back out, and he realized the intern had been crying. And he's trying to think, what did I say? What did I say? He said, I'm sorry, did I say something that upset you? And his intern said, no. No one in my entire life has ever said I did a good job at something. So you think about that. And maybe you're that person who's never really heard enough encouragement. Let me hear, let me hear words of encouragement just flowing from one another. Let's just be that for each other. Your word, don't hold them back. I like what... Uh, what Pastor Greg Groeschel tells his church. He says, if I think something good, I want to say it. And just the imagery of this, I never want to rob someone else from a blessing. You might feel good about thinking something positive about that person, but if you don't express it, they don't get to get in on that. And so he says, anytime I think something good, I just say it. That's Pastor Craig Groeschel. I love it. He, send the text. 
Be that person who actually takes the time to write a note. Nobody does that anymore. Let them be surprised that you, t I have things that people wrote to me 30 and 40 years ago still in a file. Cards, encouragements, and I don't know if you do that, if you keep those, if you've never got one before, let's maybe do that. Let's just, don't hold on to the words, express them. And you might think, well, they already know. Well, maybe they do, but it's still nice. Say it, maybe every day, just create this new habit. Let me go on and encourage you to do something else. Beyond your words, why don't you use your prayers to encourage the people in your life? The Apostle Paul wrote a letter that's in the Bible. It's called Colossians. He'd never met those people. He met them through their founding pastor, a guy named Epaphras, we think. And Paul wrote them a letter because he was so amazed at their faith and he wanted to do some teaching with them. Colossians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I've learned so much about Jesus from that book and I just like, I just think that way. So I'm glad that Paul wrote that letter. And here, let me read you something he hand wrote into this letter. It's Colossians 4.12. Paul said in this letter, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. Apparently Epaphras was with Paul when he wrote the letter, probably carried the letter back home to the church and read it to them. And Paul said, Epaphras always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. And I just love that imagery of a pastor who's not even there with his church anymore, but he's praying for them. And he prays so much that the Apostle Paul knew that he prayed for that church. Why don't you take your encouragement up a level and pray for people? There's a great way for you to do that. Some of you already are a part of this. We have a prayer list that goes out every week here at Connection. I'll tell you, if you want to be part of that, just take a, a Connect card in front of you. If you're online, just write it out there. Say, hey, put me on the prayer team. I want to pray for people. And make sure you give me your email address so we can send that out to you every week. And if you ever have anything you want prayed for, if it's confidential, just come talk to me or one of our leaders and just say, hey, just keep this on the down low. Will you pray about this? But if it's something you really want all of us praying about, put that there. We have prayed for some situations. There have been amazing, I would even say miraculous things that have come. And what better way to show somebody love and, and hope than to invite God, the creator of the universe, into a situation? I care about you enough that I'm gonna have a conversation with God about what's going on in your life. I'm gonna pray for you. It just does so many amazing things. And it's been just knowing you guys pray for me is a, a fantastic thing as well. I may have told you this story before, and, and uh, I know Robert Rice is one of our key members here and a friend for many, many decades. I think I've known Robert as long as I've known my wife. So there was a time in the history of this church, I wasn't the preaching pastor. I was on the team, but I didn't want to preach. I, didn't want to, I, I don't have five minutes worth of stuff to say regardless, much less to stand up here and talk to you guys. So that there was a time, though, where they came and said, Brian, we want you to be the preaching guy every week at Connection. And you talking to another Brian? You, uh, no. <laughs> so I, I talked to Robert. We were sitting down over Chinese, and, and he looked at me, and he said, I really think you should do this. And I thought, yeah, no. Quit, quit messing with me. And he said, yeah. And I, I've been talking to Kirsten, my wife, as well, about it. But he said, I think you should do it. And, and I said, okay. You have to pray for me every single week that I preach. And so far, so good. <laughs> my wife does the same thing. Like last week, um, you would have swore I had COVID. I didn't. I just have a case of the Missouri and the only way I got through the message last week is because you guys were praying for me. Let's do that for each other. Before your kids go to school, pray for them, pray with them, pray for your spouse, pray for your friends, pray for people you don't even like that much. You know, Jesus tells us we're supposed to do that too. 
how would it change your relationship if you prayed for people who actually don't like you at all? Maybe God changes that enemy into a friend. So much power in encouraging with your words and with your prayers. And I want to give you one more thing before I go, because encouragement, it feels like a nice fluffy thing, and it is, but it can have a bite to it as well. There are times when you need to encourage someone with, with a warning. Maybe you need to challenge someone and in that way build them up. The Bible says this in Hebrews 3.13. You must warn each other every day. And I want to go back to that word warn because the word is literally encouraged, to come alongside someone, to walk alongside them. You must warn or encourage each other, each other every day while it's still today. Don't put it off so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. I mean, that's a danger, right? It's a danger that we will all grow cold to God, that we'll just not care about him as much as we do today. For some of you, you might say, that's actually part of my story. I used to be closer to God than I am now. And if that's your story, welcome back. And we don't judge. We just try to help each other today move closer to God. And sometimes that needs to be a little bit sterner. It needs a little bit of a warning. I care about you enough to say some hard things to you that maybe other people won't say to you. It's like what it says in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let's not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And when it says his return, he's talking about Jesus. And if the writer of Hebrews 2,000 years ago says that the return of Jesus is close, we're 2,000 years closer now. It could be any day. So we need to make sure we're making all of us ready by encouraging each other and not, you know, kind of drifting away. One of the things we've noticed with COVID is it accelerated something that was already happening in American culture, which was people were just not going to church as much as they used to. And COVID didn't make that happen. It just pushed the pedal to the floor. And again, I'm not judging, but is it good for us to kind of get out of the habit of being together with other Christians who are like-minded, who are challenging us, to moving us forward? I don't think it's helpful for any of us. I know it's not for me, at least, and the Bible seems to think that we all need it, so let's just do this. And so there's just something about spending time with each other. And the encouragement here is not just being together socially. There's this added layer of we got to kind of push each other on our stuff from time to time because each of us have blind spots and we just need someone who will point out the things that we don't see in ourselves. You know, it's not just the kind grandma words. Sometimes you need somebody to get in your face and say, come on. Do you have a coach in your memory or do you have a coach right now that really brings the best out in you? Maybe you're on a sports team and they just push you past the point you think you could go but you, they want you to get to that place you want to be you want to win or you want to maybe it's a coach who helps you with your fitness or in some area of your life do you have a memory of a coach and their voice that you really like that person i want you to hear their voice what do they do they get in your face and say you can give me more you know it and i know it and as a christian just imagine that coach even going a step further you can give me more you know it i know it and god knows it so let's get moving Science backs this up. There's a study done a few years ago, like how do we get people to work out more? And they took two groups, and one group worked out by themselves, and they tracked that. And then there was a group that worked out with other people. They thought maybe the social element would increase people's uh, frequency at the gym or whatever. Didn't make a bit of difference. You know what did? They added an element of competition. 
When you start competing against other people, the frequency of your workouts go up. There's just something about somebody else saying, come on, let's go. We're gonna, go to, we're gonna do this. We're gonna work out. We're gonna eat right today. We're gonna, you know, I have, I've closed my rings and it's only 10 o'clock. What are you doing, right? There's that element to all aspects of life where we push one another and it makes us better. It's like the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17. You may not have even, you've heard this before. You just maybe not knew it was in the Bible. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. One friend sharpens another. It's like the image of two knives, like you're going to cut a steak, as chef is. They got the two knives running each other or against a sharpening blade. And you're sharpening one to cut a steak, but it, in the action of doing that, sharpens the other. And when two friends interact and we challenge each other and we encourage each other, we're both made better. And, it's, and we're both changed by the interaction. You know, a good friend sometimes sharpens you by calling you out and saying, hey, I just don't think what you're doing right now is good. I hear the things you're saying, and I don't think that's going to be a good, that's going to that's take you somewhere you don't want to go. I hear the way you're kind of thinking about this, and I'm just going to tell you I love you too much to say that that's okay. Come on, let's do something different. And sometimes it's just by their example, just by being there, and just the fact that they're doing the right thing, and you maybe almost want to live up to their example. They don't even say a word. It's just the fact that they just keep showing up doing the right thing and and you don't even know it but they keep showing up because you also keep showing up and you're mutually encouraging one another for several years i would ride in the ms 150 the gateway ms 150. it's like a cycling fundraiser for multiple sclerosis mom's got ms and some of our church family members have it and some friends of mine outside our church so i i like the the organization and the thought of it so we'd go ride on a saturday and sunday some dozens or hundreds of miles to raise the funds and to raise awareness for ms research and i always thought it was great one of the stories that came out of that time when i was riding with that there was a woman who had ms and she would ride and she talked her friend into riding with her and her friend honestly said well she has she's thinking this she has ms so how far could she actually ride so i don't have to ride that far so this is gonna be okay well her friend with ms was a pretty good rider and so this uh, the friend who's newer to cycling is like will she ever quit and, and they made an agreement with each other i'll ride as long as you ride and they kept looking at each other and neither one would quit so they ended up riding the whole thing because that, that's just how encouragement works. Sometimes by your example of saying, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna be there for you and you're gonna be there for me and we're gonna say the truth to each other. We push each other to where we need to be. A good friend will tell you the truth for your own good and sometimes they'll just say, it needs to stop. Sometimes maybe you realize, I'm being too critical and you talk to a friend about it and they help you figure it out Here's what I figured out in my life. This is the way that you move forward into getting rid of a critical attitude that just notices what's wrong with everything, that always looks for the, the negative, that always assumes the worst. When you start encouraging other people, you'll find that you yourself are encouraged in your spirit. Uh, there's a great proverb here about how this works in your life. It's Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. It says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. It was just something about the act of saying the good, positive things and also being willing to just say the, the hard things. But at the end of the day, the goal is to build up and not to tear down. The goal is to make sure that we both cross that finish line together. That on the day that Jesus returns, that we're all found faithful in him. 
Now, there's, there's a lot that rests in your hands. God truly believes in a church and in a family to help one another. This is a big part of what God uses to fix what's wrong with us and to shape us. So don't ever take that lightly. We have an obligation to each other. This isn't just we show up, experience something for ourselves and walk away. We're, we're linked together. And um, I want you to know that about connection if you're newer and not in a scary way, but in a good way. We're here for each other. And we're not always great at it, but we're learning and we're getting better. And if you're thinking of, man, I really need a place where I can feel like I'm needed, where I belong, where I'm accepted. This is a great church family. And God's doing some amazing things here. And I don't want any of you to miss that either, because as much as it does weigh on us, and I, as your pastor, I'm going to coach you a little bit. We need to do better at this encouraging thing. But at the end of the day, it's also not on us completely. It's like what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians. He says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. I know how I am, and I'm probably talking to you as well. There's some really good things that I intend to do, and if it's up to me, it's just not going to happen. I'm just being honest. But when it's me and God working together, when I share with God what I want to do, when I try to help you, and the Lord gets involved, he can do things that we can never do on our own. That's why every Sunday, I'm constantly challenging you to turn yourself to God, to humble. If you need to repent of something, certainly get rid of it, turn away from it, and turn to another friend. Find someone that you can share this with. Don't carry that alone. Go to the Lord and go to a friend. In fact, I'm gonna pray right now. And if you're newer to prayer, you can just listen to what I'm saying. But if, if you are someone who feels like you can talk to God, and anyone can, by the way, maybe use this opportunity as I'm praying and as we go through communion together in just a moment to start a conversation with God where you need to be encouraged and what you need to do with this. Maybe you need to embrace some relationships. Maybe you need to get into a group of friends because you just don't have that. And maybe you need to change the way you've thought about things and the way you've talked to people and you need to get better at that. The Lord can help you with all of that and we can help each other. Let's pray right now. Father, I'm so thankful for the encouragement you've been in my life that you, before I was even born, already knew all the things I would be and you've just had a plan in your mind for how you would shape me and I'm so thankful for the people that you've put in my pathway who have been a part of that. Will you help us all to be that blessing to others around us? Will you just fill us with optimism and hope for our future, knowing that there are so many things that are impossible for us, but they're not for you. There's nothing that's, that stymies you. There's nothing that puzzles you that you can't figure out. You can solve anything. So we bring to you our deepest issues and our biggest problems and our, our greatest fears, and we just ask you to help us. And I am asking, Father, that literally everyone this morning will feel your encouragement as we continue to worship and as we leave this place, that we'll just know for sure that we've been in your presence if we'll just open our hearts to you. You. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.